No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we begin a study of the Psalms. For thousands of years, these songs of praise have ministered hope, comfort, strength, and guidance to countless people. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl begins with Psalm 1 on Simply the Bible. We were made to worship God. When all nations glorify Him, then humans will fulfill their ultimate purpose. Jesus tells us that God is spirit and that those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. The Psalms are songs of praises. They transport us from the earthly, mundane, and miserable to the heavenly, sublime, and joyful. They deal with the gamut of worldly circumstances and human emotions. They are a ladder stretching from earth to heaven. They lift up the downcast, strengthen the weary, and show us the way we should walk. Now, the Hebrew title is The Book of Praises, and the Greek translation, Psalmos, means a song sung to the accompaniment of a stringed instrument. The Psalms are divided into five books, perhaps corresponding to the five books of Moses known as the Torah. They are Hebrew poetry, which does not consist of rhyming and meter, but of parallelism, that is, repeating, contrasting, and building upon ideas. If only we knew their original tunes. Now, David, who is known as the sweet psalmist of Israel, wrote 73. He also organized temple worship, including the singers and musicians. Asaph, a worship leader, wrote 12 psalms. The sons of Korah, who were musicians, wrote 11. King Solomon wrote two. And Moses and Ethan each wrote one. There are over 400 quotations or allusions to the psalms in the New Testament. Jesus quoted them on many occasions. The psalms are personally meaningful to me because in my mid-20s, I struggled with depression for about two years. I took no medication, I didn't see any doctors, but I did pray and read the Psalms. And in that time of deep communion, pouring out my heart to God, I found a grounding for my soul. Slowly, the dark clouds of melancholy and confusion began to part, and I saw a ray of hope in God's revelation. This time of inward struggle and reaching out to God ultimately led me into the ministry. Now, the Psalms help us seek God with a whole heart, to be honest with Him about everything, and to turn our trials into triumphs. My hope and prayer is that as we study them, your devotion to God will deepen, and He will reveal to you His path for your life. Book 1 consists of Psalms 1 through 41. Of these, 37 were written by David. Psalm 1 is anonymous. So let's begin. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight 
is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. This first psalm begins with the same word as the Sermon on the Mount, blessed, or blessed if you prefer. The word means, oh, how happy. Everyone searches for happiness. The Bible tells us where we can find it. Happiness is a right relationship with God. The psalmist begins with a negative. Because sin brings sadness, the blessed life first means saying no to sin. And here is the paradox. What the world tells us will make us happy and self-fulfilled fails to deliver. Therefore, if we would be blessed, then we must not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. You see here, there is a downward progression. The one who turns from the right way walks in the counsel of the ungodly. Soon he stops walking and then stands in the path of sinners. Finally, he sits in the seat of the scornful, joining with them as they mock God and his people. This man's worldliness and worthlessness are now complete. He is backslidden at best and reprobate at worst. On the other hand, the blessed person avoids all this. First, he refuses to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And who are they? They are not overtly wicked. Rather, they are those who simply leave God out of the picture. They rely on their own wisdom. They lean on their own understanding. They do what's right in their own eyes. But this worldly wisdom has no power to save. Instead, the blessed person does not stand or loiter with sinners, nor sit with mockers and blasphemers. He knows that bad company corrupts good character. That does not mean that he isolates himself from the world. He is in the world, but not of the world. He knows that he is a stranger here, so he doesn't get entangled in the world's values, ways, or means. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now here's the positive. What makes the blessed man so happy? He has found a source of delight that transcends this world. Now, consider what scripture was available at the time this psalm was written. Probably the five books of Moses, Job, maybe Joshua and Judges, but that was it. So when he says that the blessed man delights in the law of the Lord, he literally means the law. I don't know if you've ever read law books, but they're not exactly the most exciting reading. And yet this blessed man has found a source of life inspiration and joy in knowing God and his ways. In a crazy, contentious, and chaotic world, the blessed man has found his delight in the wisdom, peace, and order of God's revelation. For him, this is a continual feast. And in his law, he meditates day and night. To meditate on the word is to read it over and over, to revolve it in your mind, to pray through it, and even to memorize it. Think of a cow chewing the cud. The purpose is to extract every bit of spiritual nourishment. It goes from the eyes or ears to the heart. As it is digested, it becomes part of you. This reminds me of two New Testament verses. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In John 8, 31, Jesus said, 
to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Meditating on the word means abiding in it and having your mind renewed by it. The result is that you are transformed into a true follower of Jesus. You know the truth and you are totally free. But this requires commitment. In the morning, you begin with the word and think about it throughout the workday. At night, you read it again so that it is on your mind as you go to sleep. Rather than being anxious and fearful, you can rest in peace because you're trusting in God's promises. Verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The tree is a beautiful picture of the godly person because trees provide shade, fruit, and a refuge for creatures. They are perennial and can endure for decades, even centuries. A tree planted by a river has a never-ending water source. Likewise, we have the never-ending source of living water in Jesus Christ. Do you remember what Christ said on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles? If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John tells us that Jesus was speaking of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, everyone who abides in Christ has this never-ending source of the Holy Spirit within him to refresh him and to overflow to others. The result is that the godly person brings forth fruit in its season. Now, unseasonal fruit never ripens to maturity, but seasonal fruit is sweet, plump, nutritious, and delicious. The fruit we bear are godly characteristics, the fruit of the Spirit, winning people to Christ, and good works. When you're filled with the Word of God and the Spirit of God, then you cannot help but bear fruit for God. The beautiful thing about bringing forth fruit is that it contains the seed to bring forth more fruit. In other words, the fruit you bear reproduces itself in others. Leaves, not withering, speak of good health. If you feed on the word and do what it says, then you'll be healthy and sound even to old age. Moreover, whatever you do will prosper. This primarily speaks of spiritual prosperity. However, it often does include material prosperity because God teaches us how to profit in every good work. Having described the person who is blessed, the psalmist now considers the ungodly and the judgment they will receive. The outcome of the ungodly is the polar opposite of the blessed. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Whereas the righteous become better, more fruitful, and more prosperous, the ungodly are like chaff that the wind drives away and are good for nothing. Now the chaff grows together with the wheat, but when it is beaten on the threshing floor, it separates from the wheat and the wind blows it away. And likewise, the ungodly grow alongside the godly, but trouble, death, or judgment separate the ungodly from the godly. Jesus said to let the wheat and the weeds grow together until the end of the age. 
when they will be separated. Now, the ungodly will appear at the white throne judgment of God, but they won't stand. They will be condemned before the Holy One. There will be no atonement for their sins because they rejected God's only provision for sin, Jesus Christ. Verse 6, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. God places a high value on our relational knowledge with him. Jesus said in John 17, 3, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Our knowledge of the Father and the Son gives us eternal life. And this opens the door so that God may know us clearly. He already knows all about us because he's omniscient, but when we turn from our sins and trust in Jesus Christ, then God knows us relationally and intimately. He knows our way. But because the ungodly never sought to know God, the Lord doesn't know them, and he will say to them, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. Psalm 1 lays out before us two paths. It is fitting that it is first among all the Psalms, for it describes the blessed life that the godly enjoy. As we proceed through the Psalms, may God use them to increase our devotion to the only one who is worthy of our worship. You've been listening to Simply the Bible. The Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow we'll look at Psalm 2 which deals with the nations rebelling against God and God establishing his king. We'll also study Psalm 3, a cry for deliverance when David fled from his son Absalom. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the Psalms on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible